I think that's the biggest challenge that, again, a lot of companies face is they don't, they don't have time to think about the fact that you can do more than just write blog posts. And because they don't have the time to think about that, they're just kind of doing the same thing over and over again. And it's a disservice for their entire content engine, their entire content culture and team and org. Hello again, and welcome to another episode of Marketing Revisited. My name is Liam Maroney. I am your host. And on this podcast, I talk to the smartest marketers I know, one topic at a time to learn what's new, what's changed, and what you need to leave behind to be a better marketer. And today, I had the great pleasure of talking to Ross Simmons. He's the founder of Foundation, which is a content marketing agency that serves B2B brands. But he is also one of the most prolific voices on LinkedIn and Twitter when it comes to content marketing. You've read his tweets, you've seen his videos. He is the real deal. It was a great conversation. I hope you enjoy. Take a listen. Ross, I am absolutely delighted to have you on the podcast. How are you doing? Feeling great, Liam. Thanks for having me on the podcast. It's going to be fun. Yeah, of course. And um, just to throw it out there, your content has not only been exceptional and taught me a whole lot about content, you've also given me insecurity about my fashion sense and my interior <laughs> decoration skills at the same time. So congratulations on hitting three marks at once. Nice. I love it. I love it. That was the goal. You might not have known it, but that was the goal. <laughs> so the point of today is we want to revisit content marketing. and. Yeah. Where I'd love to start this conversation is really at the broadest term. Like, it's funny that content marketing is, it's not under any scrutiny about whether we should be doing it. It seems to be from a strategy point of view, from an execution mm. point of view, there's still as much misunderstanding about it now as it feels like there ever was. Yeah. So where I'd love to start this is what exactly is the content in content marketing from your point of view? And more importantly, what does not fall within the realm of content marketing? Good question. So when I think of content marketing, I think about the original kind of definition that I would run with is you are producing content with the goal of driving a business result. The type of content that you create to drive a business result can range. You can create a white paper, you can create a podcast, you can create a meme, you can create a blog post, a slide share, a Twitter thread, a Facebook post, a Reddit post, a Quora answer, an interactive tool, an infographic. There are a ton of different assets that you can invest in to create content marketing outcomes. The goal of content marketing is to achieve a business outcome. That business outcome is going to differ from one brand to the next because every business is different. Some organizations are going to invest in content marketing with the goal of generating sales qualified leads. Some businesses are going to invest in content with the outcome of trying to generate pure revenue and direct sales. The thing that most people don't realize when it comes to content marketing is that the actual efforts that go into content marketing are extremely broad and there are a ton of different ways to win within the vertical of content marketing. You can develop all of those different assets that I've talked about. You can create things that are very inspirational and motivational. You can create things that are very engaging and entertaining. You can even create some things that are going to be more sad and depressing. And those two are pieces of content that can have a marketing outcome and objective. So when you talk about what is content marketing, 
it's hard for people to kind of visualize it because there's so many different ways and different levels to it. But holistically speaking, it's the investment in content with the goal of driving a meaningful business result. Here's where I get caught up in this, right? Which is that, especially at bigger companies, there's lots of people within the company who are producing content. Yeah. And some of it is explicitly within marketing itself. You've got the product marketing team who are producing collateral for the sales team. It's very explicitly about the company. Yeah. And when I first was starting in content marketing, I think we were way too far at the extreme other end where it was almost like there was a church and state right. where like you produce content, but don't talk about yourself, right. make it independently valuable, but don't make it promotional. Mm. How do you sort of overlap those worlds and make sure that you're not just creating content that people can enjoy, but then never remember who it was from? Yeah, I think you have to start with understanding um, at the end of the day, this isn't just art right? Like if you are creating art, the goal is just to provide some value to other people or maybe even just to yourself. And hopefully it sticks and resonates. When it comes to marketing, like we're in a world of capitalism and we're trying to generate revenue. We're trying to generate sales and have a business outcome. So you have to start with that premise and understand the intent of the asset that you're investing in. And then you have to think to yourself, okay, if our intent and our goal is to generate leads, the only way to generate leads is to educate people in some way on the fact that we have something of value to them. And if you believe truly that the thing that you can offer them has value, then you can talk about that thing that is valuable in a way that ultimately converts. And that is on us as the marketer to tread the line between sounding too salesy and sounding just right in, just having the right amount of persuasion and influence to drive someone to make a decision. That's where the change is. So what we need to be looking for is to understand the story itself that we're telling and then find ways to subtly yet um, effectively communicate the value prop and the outcome that we desire to get the people on the other end of that asset that we've created to take an action. So in the past, it was very much like a church and state, as you described, where you're meant to just produce great content and hopefully people will somehow navigate to the homepage and then find out about your value proposition. But the best brands that are investing in content today are ensuring that the content is so valuable that as they consume that content, they're learning about the product, they're learning about the service, and they're filling gaps in their mind around the problems that they have as individuals and how the organization that produces this asset can help them solve it. I, I, I love that that way of thinking about it. And I know at bigger companies, and I've seen this when, when I was back in news credit, I used to work in, in an advisory role with some of our larger companies, and we were working with our content marketing teams and then we would get introduced to their email marketing team. Mm. And that email marketing team was unaware that there was a blog that they could be leveraging content from. The right. content marketing team was unaware there was an email team that they could be using for distribution. Right. How do you make sure there are no silos that develop where it starts to exist in its own bubble? Yeah, I think it starts at the top. Like every content marketing, every organization itself needs to have a, what we call a content culture. Um, and the content culture within your organization needs to be rooted in transparency where everyone knows the results. Everyone can clearly see who's accountable for what, who's responsible for what. But you also have to have transparency in the sense of um, letting people know that they 
can take ownership of different things and they can influence different things and that there are no silos where the best content happens where there's cross-pollination of ideas and of different mental models and thinking and perspectives. And when you have that just cross-pollination across your team, it just opens up more opportunities. So you need to have that org have a culture of transparency, but you also have to have an org that celebrates and embraces experimentation. And you want to have a cadence where there's communication happening across the company so everyone knows what is being produced, when it's being produced, how it's being produced, so they can start to um, leverage insights from other people within the org and across the org to inspire and deliver more value to those around them. So no one feels like they're out of the loop. They can always kind of know what's going on um, across the, the table or across the Slack uh, in the wonderful remote world, I guess. The content culture idea is one I love. I To challenge it, like I've experienced this and I wanted to give any advice on how you navigate it, where yeah. there are times where, particularly on the sales side, they may see content coming out and it feels maybe one or two steps removed from the company or product. Right. And there's sort of this kind of like, what's that got to do with us? That feels mm -hmm. a little too abstract. Right. How do you make sure people understand in this content culture that yeah. like experimentation and kind of like there are sort of almost like, right. you know, steps removed from the company? Right. I think you first need alignment between your sales team and your marketing team, like they need to be aligned, right? Like leadership needs to be connected, care about the same metrics, care about the same KPIs. And once you have that joint um, belief that, okay, we need to accomplish these things to achieve this, then it makes it easier for the two, um, two departments essentially to communicate about the same things the same way. So the way to do that is to foster communication regularly. So having dialogues every single week across the org and across the company and across those verticals about the things that you're doing and why you're doing them is very important. So marketing shouldn't just constantly talk about marketing things to the marketing team. You should be talking about marketing things to sales. You should be talking to, about marketing things to product. You should be talking about marketing things to technology, to your researchers, to your entire org. Everyone needs to know what's going on in the world of your content and why you're doing it so they can understand how they can play a role in using it and leveraging it and driving results. The same situation exists on the sales side. Sales needs to be talking to marketing about the problems that they're running into with customers and what prospects are saying, all of these things. So marketing can start being informed on the types of assets they need to produce to counter some of the narratives that might be out there in the market, rejecting and slowing down their traction as a sales team. So those are the things that need to happen. And it is only possible through communication excellence. That's the key. You need to have communication excellence within the org. That one resonates so much with me. And I, I totally agree because I think in all my time, the more you explain to particularly the sales team, why you're doing the stuff you're doing, like it's not just marketing wants to create art out in the world that we actually right. have a strategy and yeah. we're backing into that strategy with content. Suddenly it's like, oh, I get it. It's because of X and Y, but exactly. it's the two-way communication. You're absolutely right. The more that they see marketing as an avenue to say, hey, I keep coming up with this thing in the sales process. If right. only I had something that addressed it before they even got to me. Exactly, exactly. That's 100% it. I think that's the key. Like you need to make sure that everyone is talking. Like if you don't talk to each other about what you're doing, then how can you, how can you serve one another, right? Like you have to have those lines of communication. And these are like 
we talk about this from a business lens, but this is just like good old fashioned life advice, right? Like at the end of the day, if you're not talking to your partner, if you're not talking to your family, if you're not talking to your friends, like you can't support them. You have to have those open lines of communication. So communication is key. I think at the end of the day, the vast majority of the world's problems are actually communication problems. And if we start communicating better and focus on communication excellence, like a lot of things can be solved with good communication. That's absolutely spot on. And you mentioned measurement a little bit ago, and I'd love to switch gears onto that. Yeah. It feels like the pendulum has swung so many different ways on content from it's purely engagement to it's leads or nothing. Mm. So how do you think about content measurement from a strategic point of view? Yeah, it starts with figuring out what the organization's trying to achieve. So uh, an early stage startup, they probably shouldn't be worrying too much about brand awareness versus trying to get customers and getting people to actually swipe the credit card or subscribe and like become a free trial or whatever that may be like that's what they should care about but an organization that is a industry leader um maybe they're the number two and they're striving for number one metrics that seem fluffy to most marketers like engagement and brand share of voice traffic followers etc actually are very important um, metrics for them to care about because those are metrics that are going to demonstrate whether or not they're able to expand market share, increase their opportunity within the market, things of that nature. So what I believe measurement looks like is it's first and foremost different at every stage of a company and every organization is gonna do it differently. But what we need to do with organizations when you are thinking about measurement is you start with the path that you would typically expect your customer to go through and think about what that final outcome is. What do you want them to do? Do you want them to agree to a scope of work that's gonna be sold to them by a BDR, an AE, um, a director of sales, or are they gonna swipe a credit card on your website? Then you start to reverse engineer backwards what you can do to influence getting them there. So is it going to be a lot of different touch points? Is this a slow sales cycle where you're going to need engagement on things like LinkedIn? They need to subscribe to your email. They need to watch your YouTube videos. They need to be on a webinar. They need to listen to you on a podcast. They need to build up a sense of rapport before they make the decision to go with you. If so, you're going to have a lot of engagement metrics that you're going to care about. If it's a very linear process where you're selling something that is just like one off, it's off the shelf, it's easy, it's simple, it might just be a pure play traffic conversion, traffic conversion, like that might be the KPI in the metric for you. So I think it does start with understanding your business goals and objectives and then using that to kind of uh, reverse backwards and see what influences can get someone to that, to that effort. Do you have any advice on how you make sure that the context and the almost like the you know problem i've always run into with content is that sometimes it feels like you've got a very limited set of things you can measure with it and sometimes particularly in b2b it doesn't tell you the full story like mm. let's say you start with page views right well if your audience isn't that big and you, you're not going to get a million page views on a piece of content you might get several hundred but how do you make sure you're getting through like the importance of that yeah. 100 page views. Yeah, I think sometimes you have to switch it so you're not worried as much about the um, variable metrics and you're actually spending more time focused on the metrics that you can control. So output metrics, proactive metrics, metrics that are associated with things that you can control. You might not be able to influence the fact that today you only have five visits on your site 
But if you start holding yourself accountable to producing three pieces a month or three pieces a week, two threads on Twitter a week, output efforts that you control, it ideally will start to move those metrics in the right direction. And I believe that in a lot of cases, that's where you could actually see more value. You can see more value from measuring the output. You can see more value in actually just staying focused on the process of creating, of doing, of executing, and then picking up your head once in a while, just like a meerkat to see, are we going in the right direction? Like, are we going down the right path? Like, I think a lot of times we get so obsessed with the data that we allow it to defeat us and you press publish for two months and then you see that it's flatline and you're like, okay, this isn't working. We need to change things. But if you instead focus solely on output, working on making sure your team has content excellence, that they can tell a great story, that they can create a great piece and that you're producing that month over month, I think it's easier to at that point, after a quarter of doing it, look back and see lessons and opportunities to improve from than uh, just constantly checking the data. And I think it's that production bit. So I, I think I've repeated your mantra more times than I can count at this stage. But I remember certainly when I was starting out and when content marketing was new, production and output of amount of content was almost the measurement. It was yeah. like, you got to keep on creating every single week and distribution was a complete secondary to it. If it even got mentioned at all, yeah. how do you get people out of that production line mindset? Yeah, it's a very difficult one. I've been preaching it for a very long time, right? Like I've been trying to educate the masses on the importance of not just being production, production, production. And I think the best way to do it is to ask people like, what is content marketing? And they'll quickly remember that content marketing has two words, content and marketing. You have to do marketing for the content that you produce. You can't just produce content and say you're doing your job because that's not your job. Your not, job is not just to produce content. You have to market the content that you're producing. This is the biggest mistake that I see a lot of companies make. They hire content firms who just create content, who just write a bunch of blog posts, they'll create a bunch of white papers, and they call it a day. But what they're forgetting is that they need content marketing firms. They need content marketing agencies. They need a partner who gets content marketing. The part of actually distributing those blog posts, the part of like actually knowing how to find the channels where your audience is spending time and then providing excellence in terms of recommending how to share that content on these channels. So that's what's often missing. How do you overcome that production mindset of just creating, creating, creating and not really remembering the importance of pr promoting it and amplifying it? It truly comes down to content culture again. You have to have a team internally that believes it, that sees it, that knows it, that understands it. Um, and then it makes the job a lot easier. And I think to a point you made on one of your videos, which was that it allows you more room for research into yeah. what you should have been producing. I mean, the, the Sherlock homeboy right. approach, yeah. it's just, it's not allowed when you're only producing content. It's not allowed. Exactly. And I think research is another key piece of the pie when it comes to marketing. Like when you go back to the fundamentals in the early days of marketing, organizations spent, spent sometimes years trying to understand their customers, trying to understand the pain points of the people who they're trying to connect with. But for some reason, a lot of us today just do a little bit of keyword research in a modern SEO tool and then say, oh, we have to write 20 blog posts on these keywords long tail and, and call it a day. In reality, 
if you can talk to your customers, if you can listen to demos from your sales team, if you can dive in and analyze the reviews that are being left on Captera, G2, et cetera, if you can go into the subreddits, into the Slack communities and look for pain points that keep coming up, it just gives you better ammunition to shape the cultures that you're trying to influence and tell stories that are going to resonate with them. That is why research is so important, but it's somewhat kind of lost in a lot of the rush for let's get an amazing ROI out of this small asset, this one piece. Like we've lost sight of the, the, the key part of marketing being marketing, not just producing content. And I think as well, you said it really well at the start, but just like the sheer amount of ways you can produce content is, is lost. Like it yeah. feels like a lot of times teams get into this mindset where like a blog post is low on the value chain right. and something that's produced with PDFs and design yeah. is high. So it's almost yeah. like you're producing things to feel weighty rather than yeah. deliver value. That's it. It's so true. It's so true. I think that's the biggest challenge that again, a lot of companies face is they don't, they don't have time to think about the fact that you can do more than just write blog posts. And because they don't have the time to think about that, they're just kind of doing the same thing over and over again. And it's a disservice for their entire content engine, their entire content culture and team and org. And I'd love to talk actually about gated content, because this is one you produced just a fantastic video on this. It feels like, again, with this whole swinging pendulum, there's a new movement and a new doctrine now where it's just everything should be ungated, give it all away for free. Yeah. But you fall into a very different point of view on that. Yeah, I think a lot of people have lost nuance in, in the marketing world where it's like, let's just go to the extremes on everything. But in reality, we still have business outcomes that we want and you need to kind of lean heavily into that. And at the end of the day, you can, you can gate your content and still give value to people at the same time. And that's not something that people tend to understand, but like you can create an asset that is so good that nobody needs to give you an email. No one needs to give you their phone number. Nobody needs to tell you who they are. They can consume that content and be like, wow, I got value out of this asset. And then they can also be told in that same breath, if you want even more value than what I've already given you, submit your email, submit your name, submit your form. And I'm going to give you additional value than what I've already given you. And you know what? no one's going to be mad at you. No one is going to be upset because they already got value out of the asset that you produce for them. And when they have received that value from you, when they believe, thank you for what you've given me, this is great value. It makes it easy for you to make that request for their information because on the other end of that is going to be additional value. Now, don't get me wrong. You have to deliver. You have to deliver on that other end of that gate. So when somebody does, in fact, go that next step, they get additional value on top of what they originally asked for. But if you do that, no one is going to be upset at you. So what I encourage folks to do when they're thinking about gated content is start with a simple question. Can we give enough value upfront in front of the public that people would say, this was so good, I would have given my email for it. Great. Awesome. If you can do that, that means you produce a great piece of content. Now, the next question that you have to ask yourself is, how can I make this piece of content so much more better that people would be interested in giving me their email if I did ask for it after I gave them this? And then you put that part behind the gate. And when you do that, you should win. You should see more people emails coming through, subscribing, requesting information. But you have to first, as a marketer, be okay with creating content that is that good. I think that's such an important nuance because I think a lot of the reason that we've gone to that extreme is because 
frankly, so much content isn't worth the price of admission. That's but it. You also have to build the trust to be willing to say they've already shown that they deliver content. Therefore, the stuff that's gated has to be of a higher level. Exactly. Exactly. That's the key. You have to remember, like at the end of the day, folks, you're only as good as the great content that you produce. And if you can't create great content, then you can gate it, but no one's going to download it anyway. And it will do a disservice for your brand. But if you can create assets that are worth gating, that's that's a win, right? Ask yourself, is this a piece that someone would want to submit their email for? And if the answer is yes, then by all means, feel free to do so. Um, but also don't be afraid to give away some value up front in, in the beginning stages so they can say, yeah, I know I'm going to get value from this. So how do you then respond to something like what Chris Walker would say, which is that the reason they gate it is because they've got a sales team they need to feed. Therefore, as soon as you fill out that form, you're hounded by somebody immediately asking for a demo. Yeah, I think in some cases that is the case, but like we don't have a sales team um, and we gate some of our content. So you won't get any emails asking for a sale immediately after. What you're going to get is more valuable content. And when you determine at some point in your life cycle that you want to engage with us, then you'll get it and you'll reach out to us for that opportunity. So I think um, a lot of folks do, in fact, play that, use that playbook where they will gate their assets and they'll try to get you to submit your form and then sales will start hounding you. Um, but that that is a mistake, right? Like at the end of the day, it's a mistake because the intent of me downloading that thing wasn't because I wanted to learn about your product. It wasn't because I wanted to learn more about your services. It was just because I wanted that checklist. I wanted that template. I wanted that job description, whatever it was that I have downloaded. That's what I wanted. I didn't want to learn more about your product. So when we, when we can fix that, when we can fix that and we can start to say like when they do make that download, align your outreach, align your next contact with their needs, right? That's the key. All you have to do is have alignment and people overlook the importance of alignment. If I download a job description, what does it mean? It means I'm hiring someone. It means that I'm trying to fill a job. Okay. So your call to me to use your product doesn't make sense, but an email to me, that is a blog post that you wrote on how to build your marketing team might be valuable. So what you want to do when you're gating your content is set up paths that are rooted in alignment. If you are running a waste management company and you've created a great piece of content that talks about how to hire your first growth officer in waste management, guess what the drip should be? Not about waste management software, not about trying to sell your product. It should be about culture. It should be about people. It should be about recruitment. It should be about interview questions. You want to seed them with more content because you're adding value to their life that is aligned in the problems that they're currently facing. And then at the end, at some point, they're going to be like, wow, I just hired this amazing person because of all of the great content that this waste management company gave me. Guess who I'm going to use when I need waste management software? I'm going to use them. So that's the thinking that you need to apply. Try to find alignment in the problems that you're audience is trying to solve with whatever it is that you've delivered in that gate, then deliver content consistently that helps them go through that lane of alignment. And then you'll move them through the funnel to actually convert eventually. I think when you think about the, particularly the distribution of this, like I, I love the example, like the waste management one. And I think a lot of times when teams come in and they start creating content, they, they almost 
it's almost like they've predetermined which channels they're going to create content for. And they go, well, this is waste management. It's a serious thing. So it's probably going to be a LinkedIn thing. How do you pull people back and get them to think more abstractly about this? You start with removing ego because oftentimes it's ego that forces you into thinking, oh, I know this one, right? Every, every marketer wants to be the next like Don Draper and try to come up with these amazing ideas, just sort of the, the top of their mind because they are such a guru, but you have to start it with removal of ego. ego. Then you start it with the customer and the person you're trying to influence. And then you start to go down rabbit holes and you start to think, where are these people spending time? And this executive that works in the waste management world happens to be someone who is like an onion with lots of different layers. And those layers happen to be spending time on different channels and LinkedIn might be one of them, but it might also be a very saturated one. It might be one where all of the competition is spending time. However, there happens to be a subreddit called Our Waste Management, where there's only about 5,000 subscribers. They all happen to be execs in waste management. No brand is there because they're all afraid of Reddit. But if you go down the rabbit hole and you start to sort the content in that subreddit by top posts, you start to look for trends around what content these people want, you can now start to unlock what we call content market fit. And when you start to understand the content that your market wants on Reddit, you can now use that as an arbitrage opportunity to give these people in this community that content time and time again. You can do the same thing on Twitter. Let's say the rest of the industry has not been able to get traction on Twitter because they think they have to approach it in a very boring way. But you go in and you have a perspective where you have done the research to understand your audience and you now know that people in the wonderful world of waste management, their number one problem is attracting talent because everyone thinks it's a dirty job and it's smelly and boring and no one wants to work it. So what do you do? You start to do research on the best people on Twitter who are creating content about people and culture. Who's writing the best threads on hiring, on recruitment, on interviews, et cetera. Let's look for trends and then apply insights around that to waste management. You now have content market fit. You know that this content resonates with your audience on Twitter because they have this pain they just haven't got this content tailored to their context and their situation. So you start to produce it and then you start to create great assets and you're distributing them now on Reddit, on Twitter, two channels that your entire industry has written off as not being a place where we should go because we're in a boring industry. And then you fast forward two years and you start to see that you have some of the biggest accounts on these two channels because you took a risk that your competitors were not willing to. And what you also see is that you now have built up communities on these platforms that love you and care about you and want you to win. So now you have an unfair advantage, an advantage that you wouldn't have been able to have if you didn't first experiment with channels that everybody else was ignoring. So how do I convince people that they should not just go in and start with LinkedIn? You just kind of have to tell people truly that marketing is not just let's do what everyone else is doing and call it a day. You can do that. It will give you a career. It might not give you a great career, but it will give you a career. You can do the exact same thing as everyone else. That is completely fine, but it will not give you any unlocks in your career where you will find arbitrage opportunities that will give you the ability to say, we did something before everyone else and we were able to have a massive impact on the business. 
That's fantastic. I, that's a, such a good example. The Reddit one is is really interesting to me. And you've talked about Reddit. I've, I've written about how if, if you want to pressure test your authenticity, yeah. post something on Reddit and you'll be told really quickly if you're yeah. like going too hard at that audience. How do you, I guess, how do you earn that permission inside in something where you're, you're writing content from the place of a company? How yeah. do you start to introduce that in a way that it doesn't feel like that? You have to be yourself, right? Like I think at the end of the day, you have to be authentic and let people know, right? When you when I look at the people who are most successful on Reddit, it's people who are very transparent about what they want and they will communicate it clearly that they are here on behalf of a, a brand. Um, Redditors will tell you where to go and how to get there really, really quickly. And you can't try to manipulate and trick people on the channel. And you just have to go in with value first. If you do that, people won't care. People really don't care if you go in with value first, because most people on Reddit that are contributing are coming in with value extraction purposes versus value delivery purposes. So when you shift, shift your own mindset and you go in and you're like, I'm not going to come in here and try to sell. I'm not going in here to create a big Reddit post on why my waste management solution is the best. No, what you go in with is these are the 15 things that I've learned trying to hire 20 um, waste management professionals in the last year. And then you break all of it down. You don't mention the waste management company because all someone has to do to find out who the waste management company is, is to click your name and then see your company, your history surrounding other posts that you have shared, or maybe a subreddit that you're the admin of that is related to your software and the solution that you're running. So what you need to do is just go in with value first, folks. People will find you. People will figure out the rest. I have people who reach out to me probably four years after I contributed posts in various marketing communities where people asked a question like, how should we run our repurposing engine? And then I answer a question, not mentioning foundation, not market, not mentioning any of my distribution playbooks and distribution packs that I have available on the site. I don't talk about B2B Growth Academy, none of those things I talk about. All I do is try to tell them how to do great content repurposing. And then eventually they'll go to Google, they'll type in Ross Simmons, they'll go to LinkedIn, they'll add Ross Simmons, they'll go to a Apple, they'll listen to me talking to people like Liam, and they'll be like, huh, this person might know what they're talking about. Let's go further down the rabbit hole and eventually they buy. So long story, getting a whole lot longer, <laughs> the key in these channels like Reddit are to just go in with value focus first. And if you do that in Reddit, in any Slack communities, in any Discord communities, and you try to help other people win, you'll win too long-term. It's such a simple concept, but it's really hard to follow because it's so easy to just want to like beat them over the head with a link back to the website. Yeah. I mean, it and makes it when more you talk about difficult when your boss and manager tells you to do the same. Yeah. <laughs> and like, I think the long-term value, like, like it feels obvious, like, okay, a Reddit post can live on for a very long time, but how long, if you're starting this and you found a community and you've got these 5,000 people in there, like how long before you even anecdotally start to feel whether this was worth the time investment put into it? So I think it comes down to, it's gonna differ depending on your outcome and your goal that you're looking for, but typically you should be able to see whether or not you're getting traction in the right way within three to six months. Like within three to six months, you should be able to see, all right, are people reaching out to us and saying that they're getting value from this? Are people reaching out to us 
with that sentiment that like if this didn't exist it would be a gap in their their life like is that happening um those are the types of things you want to look for and ideally after three to six months you'll you'll be able to get a sense for that yeah yeah and you mentioned right at the start content can and should be funny sad all of those things those emotions especially sad and emotional are tough sells in at an executive level who do you need to win over to get that embedded in this content culture yeah the only person that you really need to get sold off on that is whoever controls the approval process for the content when you can convince the director of marketing the director of social media the manager of social media or even if it's you and you're just the founder you have to convince the person in the in the mirror like you just have to convince yourself and you just have to be committed to saying we're you're either a culture that celebrates experimentation or you're a culture that avoids it and if you celebrate it then you should be comfortable with it you should be comfortable with trying some different things if you don't want to be a culture that embraces experimentation that's your choice own it lean into it and uh move on to the next one like that's okay <laughs> simple as that all right i want to leave it on a on a high note what is something that's going on in content marketing right now that either makes you extremely excited or you're really really embracing change that's happening what's going on that gets you excited about content yeah i think the biggest thing that has me excited about content right now is the fact that people are starting to wake up to distribution people for years have kind of forgotten about the importance of distribution and i'm seeing pretty much every day more and more people talking about it which is exciting to me because i've been preaching about the power of distribution for a very long time and when people start getting more comfortable with distribution it means that they're getting more comfortable with themselves and what i mean by that is the reason why people don't distribute their work the reason why brands don't distribute their content is because they're afraid they are afraid of being judged by other people as either they didn't produce good content they are going to be seen as too spammy or they're fearful that someone is going to unfollow them and now we are at a point we, i believe in the content culture where makers builders writers designers artists Etsy shop owners, entrepreneurs, founders, et cetera, are finally shaking this imposter syndrome of not wanting to promote their work and they're finally doing it. And that's amazing because it means less people are going to die with great ideas in their head that they just didn't promote, that they just didn't talk about. And that's an amazing thing. More people are going to die having their dreams fulfilled more people are going to die with great content published out there to the world and that's an amazing thing to me so i'm excited because less people are sitting back with all of their great ideas waiting for a perfect day and a perfect break for them to talk about the great podcast they launched the great ebook that they just wrote the great blog post they developed the great thing that they just designed and are selling on etsy fewer people are just sitting on it now and the more that we can encourage and inspire people to create once and distribute it forever, the better the world is going to be. So if you're listening to this and you are sitting there thinking to yourself, oh, I really have a great idea for a blog, a podcast, a, an asset I want to create. Our team has been investing in blog posts for months, but we're not getting the right traction. Today is a perfect day to start promoting your work. Today is a perfect day to send out a tweet, to share it on LinkedIn, to share it on Reddit, and to actually distribute that thing that you put so much time into creating and you forgot about because you got bored and then you got a little bit afraid of how your followers would feel if you amplified it. Actual goosebumps. 
I, I couldn't think of a better place to end on that. This has been wonderful. I am a better marketer immediately for just having this conversation. And more than that, I'm actually inspired to go create more content. Love to hear it. Thanks for having me on, Liam, and thanks for having the podcast. I hope your guests got a ton of value out of this. And my hat's off to you for uh, creating content just like this for the community and for the industry. So thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you.